Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. This week we're picking up a pretty significant concept called the nations, and we're going to talk about it briefly, which will lead to a number of sermons coming down the road here. So, you know, really get this one nailed down before we we get moving into these sections in the weeks ahead in the sermons and things like that. If you have questions or you want more information, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app on any of the app stores. certainly our hope and, and prayer that uh, you are reading along with us in the Bible. And uh, mm-hmm. just some of our goals in, in preaching is just to um, highlight just some of the amazing things in Scripture, but also to just sort of whet your appetite so that you want to go and look and find things on your own. And so we hope you're doing that. If you've been reading along and, and continue to read along, the the nations come up all the time. And and, and I think it's probably valuable here, Chris, to stop and talk about, okay, who are the nations? And really, what is, what is this, why is it so significant that we see it coming up all the time? Yeah, so this is really cool little theme that we've kind of been hinting at a little bit here and there. You've heard it pop up into a couple of different sermons throughout the whole year. And now that we're about halfway through the reading plan, we wanted to just say, okay, check this out. Watch where this is happening. And so you start with the Garden of Eden, right? Then Adam and Eve get kicked out. They start having kids. And nations. as those as those kids start being born, they start developing nations. Mm-hmm. And it starts with just cities in chapter four and five. It starts talking about this individual created this city or this individual created this city. And you go, okay, something interesting there. But then you move to chapter 10 and it starts talking about them actually as individual nations. So you got whole groups of people. And if we're going to take Genesis 10 and attach it to Genesis 11, and there's a number of reasons why we should do that. And I'm not going to go into all of that here. Although, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this, whether it's later this year or some other year altogether in the podcast. The idea of the nations is this. The people of, of earth were rebelling against God in chapter 11, so God separated them by language. And if you separate people by language, they get separated by language, but then that leads to cultures, that leads to different ways of doing things, which is how we would sort of define the word nations, which is why in chapter 10, it says the table of nations, right? Or the nations descended from Noah. And then that concept gets pulled through the rest of the Bible all the way through. And so, in the, especially in the prophets that we're reading right now, you're going to notice phrases like, and the nations do this, or the nations do that, or, you know, there's a couple of Psalms, we're going to talk about one of them in just a second, that really talk about this idea of the nations. And whenever you read the nations, what it's talking about there is all of the nations of the earth, all of these countries, whether they're nation states, their own country, or whether it's just a people group that speak a certain language even within a country. So, you know, today we think of nations typically as, you know, like if I threw out the word Iraq, you would, mm. people have an image in their mind of where Iraq is or what Iraq is. But Iraq is really just boundaries that were drawn up in the 1940s and 50s after the British sort of started losing their colonies that they just sort of said, this is how big it is, this is what it's going to be. Well, there are a number of major people groups in Iraq nations that don't like each other, and we would call those nations. And so even in the, some of the, um, 
mission missional concepts or the you know some of the missionary conferences that were had in 1940 and on they began to start to define not nations as in a country but nations as in someone who speaks a specific language which is interesting because that's how the bible defines it in the first place back in genesis 10 and so we moved from thinking about nations such as well there's christians in indonesia so in indonesia is reached well not every island in indonesia even has access to the scriptures because Indonesia has like 250 languages spoken within its country. They just sort of said, these are all these, all these islands are ours, but some of those islands don't even know that they have a, a, a nation that's in charge of them, so to speak. And so missionary conferences and other things started creating schools to just send people to individual people groups and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is more closely attuned to what you see in the Bible. Now, you ask the question, what are they? So that's kind of who the nations are. It's all of these people groups that God separated because of the the rebellion of Genesis 10. Why does it matter? Well, because the main storyline of the Bible dealing with nations is family. And so family and kingdom kind of tied together. But family is really the big one. God's saying, I'm going to draw a family, Abraham, Mm -hmm. out of the nations to then go and what does it say in Genesis 12? To go be a blessing to the, to nations. the nations. And so that idea, the, the blessing to the nations, the Israelites were supposed to understand who God is and how he wants them to live and be, and then go bless the nations, which is even why God drops Israel right in the dead center of the ancient world. You know, everyone, when they start reading through the Bible the first time, and some of you maybe are doing that right now, and you're thinking, I just didn't know half of this was here. And you're starting to notice names that you thought wouldn't be in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. You're like, well, I, I, I learned about that in history class way back in the day. Why is that in the Bible? Why is it in the Bible? Because God dropped Israel dead center yeah. between nations like Egypt, which, you know, King Tut and everybody else, the pyramids, all that stuff. You're going, okay, you got Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, Rome, Greece. They all show up in the Bible. And you go, whoa, this is crazy. How are they all involved in this? God put Israel dead center in the nations, with the intention of reaching the nations by him. And there's this really cool little thing that starts to show up in a number of the of the prophets and elsewhere that the nations are all going to be drawn home by Israel. And whether that's through Israel herself, because she's doing it correctly, which, by the way, never happens, mm-hmm. or by a representative of Israel, like we talked about with the suffering servant thing a couple of weeks ago with Isaiah, a representative, we would name Jesus as that representative, who's going to draw the nations to himself. So then you, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're telling me the entire Bible, basically the main part of the storyline here is that God has separated the earth with the intention of eventually drawing them all to him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So then you start going, okay, so where else does this show up? So one of the Psalms that we wanted to look at briefly was Psalm 46 talks about the nations, doesn't it, Mark? It does. Speaking of nations, you were talking about um, Egypt and Rome. And have you been there, by the way? No. Oh, I have. Okay. I know you have. <laughs> he starts these things, and if you could see my face on the podcast, I'm basically just like, he's going to be a jerk right here about this. He got to spend more time in Israel than I ever did, but <laughs> but he didn't get to go to Rome or Egypt. So anyway. That's right. So I'll, I'll teach him about nations at some point. But Psalm 46, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Psalm of Korah. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of sea, uh, the sea, and though its waters roar and foam and though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose stream may gladden the city of God, the holy 
habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She should not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And then here we see the nation. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is hostess with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolation to the earth. He makes wars, wars cease to the end of the earth. He yep. breaks the bow and shatters the spear, burns the chariot with fire. And then we know this one. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Right? And you read that and you just think, well, no, it's just right here. No, it's it's pulling from this idea. Yeah. And so then we, I don't know about you, but I, I always think about our culture today and that is, I go, why does the world seem like it's so angry? Against... Oh, the nations are raging. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdoms are tottering for sure. And then you're going, wait, this is also in the Bible way back here. So you're telling me for the last 3,000 years, I, I, was, I would suggest from the beginning of the story, it's been this way, <laughs> right? But there's this idea of it's always been like this. The nations don't want to do what God wants to do. And we start asking God, give us a nation that does want to do what you want to do. Yeah. And Israel just never quite fulfills what we're looking for. And the psalm is so beautiful. It's okay. The nations rage and, and things, things are a mess. It's crazy. But there is one who is okay, who makes everything okay. One who will be exalted among the nations. It speaks to the, to the full picture here, doesn't it? I, I will be exalted among the nations. It actually makes me think of just even what's described about Jesus in Philippians 2. Yeah where he lays it all down, he, he takes on the form of a servant and humbles himself even to the point of the cross. But what does it say? Every knee will bow. And that includes people of many nations, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and when we move forward in the story and you start to see all of these amazing individuals show up and you go, okay, you know, I'm thinking of Centurion, right? The Roman mm -hmm. Centurion coming to Jesus saying, my, you know, no one else can heal my daughter but you. And Jesus does this amazing thing. Or, or Peter gets called to Cornelius's house and has this amazing dream right before that, right? And wait, wait a minute, they're in the wrong nation yeah, and they're coming in. But no, they're not, right? Or, yeah. or you know, the, the demoniac. Jesus is yeah. healing that guy with the, the legion of demons inside of him. That guy, is a, he's a Gentile. He's not, which, you know, you're going to get me all Bible nerdy here, but... The, <laughs> oh, that's so hard to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly, right? The idea of the word nations, really, when you, when you translate it into... The, the word that the Greek word that means nations is, is ethne, right? That's where we get ethnic from. Sure. And the, the Jews use the word Gentile to talk about every ethne that's not them. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think I have any Jewish blood in me, so I'm a Gentile. I'm an ethne. I'm, I'm from the nations, and yet I'm worshiping the one true God. Why? Because someone shared the message of Jesus Christ with me, and I've accepted it, and I believe it, and I've now been brought into this family of God that was promised in Abraham. And I'm going, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah. Which is why I get a little nervous when you know modern preachers every once in a while might say something like, the Old Testament's not that big of a deal, don't read it. Uh. If you don't tie it all together, you just really miss it. And so then, yeah, moving to Revelation, there's, there's all these amazing little passages in Revelation that talk about nations. Yeah, Re Revelations 5, Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open it, its seal. 
for you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed every tribe and language, people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom. We know that word, don't we? <laughs> and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It's, it, it's the fulfillment. We've gotten to the other end of the book here, haven't we? And it's the fulfillment of it. That's what's happening, you, that bringing them all in, welcoming them, welcoming them in from every nation. And I think it's interesting, don't you, that it says tribe, which is a way that sometimes nations are defined. It also says language, which yep. how do you not make a, a, you know, a Genesis 11 connection there? And then the idea of people, people groups, and then the word nation. And the fact that all of those are all connected, all four of those are say, basically saying the same thing, or what we would say in Hebrew is you know, parallelism. Those, that parallelism saying, no, 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 this is all the people of the earth. And then, yes, to be brought into this, this word kingdom or their priest to our God, meaning you're a part of the family of priests from the, the get-go, it's significant. And we should—the reason why I love the Old Testament so much and why I love the rest of the Bible as well is because it starts to show you this massive story that God's telling, and then you get to see your place in it, which is really, really cool. Yeah. You know, you and I are going to be there one day. Bring it on. That's pretty cool. Revelation 21 Really, it speaks of it again, back up to verse 22 of chapter 21. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb. And the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine it, for the glory of, the, of God gives its light. Its lamp is the Lamb. By its light the nations walk, and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. The nations are there, and the Lord, our Savior, gives light and glory. The kings bring their glory. All the nations and all the glory that, you know, has been or ever will be in that time, nothing compares to that glory. It's almost as if God has had a plan from the get-go. Who would have thought that he did? To redeem humanity— into a family of priests, or one might say a kingdom of priests, right, who are going to ultimately share the glory of the Lord with the whole world over and over again so that all of the nations might worship the one true God. Man, if only the Bible had that cool of a story. Yeah, I wish you would have thought of it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's basically the idea. You know, we just wanted to throw out kind of a simple quick little podcast on this idea. The the nations, and there's a ton of phrases like this in the Bible. You know, we picked seven themes. There are hundreds of these themes that you could probably pull from and make the Bible go whatever direction you want it to go in the sense of reading through one theme all the way through tells the same story, but with a slightly different bent. And so I don't want to give the idea that there are multiple ways to read the Bible per se. There's really one way to read it, but the nuance and the beauty of it all, the connection. it's a massive mosaic is what it is, right? It's this mosaic or, a, or finely woven you know, quilt or, or rug of some sort. When you look at it in its entirety, you go, well, this is so beautiful. Yeah. But every one of those colors or pieces all have to fit together to really make it make as much sense as it should. And so for me in my life, there have been moments where I just focus on a theme for a period of time, you know, for a couple months or a couple of years, and then I go, I think I've got this part somewhat nailed down, and so then I move on to the next theme or idea for a while, and I'll study that for a while. And then I realize that actually gives more nuance to the one that I just studied. Yeah. 
and then I go and study another one, and it's just this huge, beautiful tapestry. The connections just keep happening. That's what's really cool about it. It's it, that's what makes it so extraordinary, so beautiful. The Word of God. Yep, and it's not just humans writing it. There's no way. Isn't it tragic that churches today, so many of them, stop teaching the Word? Mm-hmm. What what a what a shame! They're missing out. It's something that we're not committed uh, to doing, meaning we're not committed to not preaching the word. So we are going to always preach the word and do our best to try to help it make sense to every single one of us. If you need more help with that, we'd love to talk to you and get where we need to get. Right? Right on. Amen.